to Say It Southern, aspiring to live not just as moms, but as modern Southern women, we began this project to hear from those who inspire us and recognize those who are achieving their own personal goals. Listen in as we celebrate the South and those who say it Southern. Our partner, Renaissance Bank, has over 190 locations all throughout the Southeast. Their roots are deep, and last year, Money.com named Renaissance Bank Best Bank in the South. If you're looking for a bank, Renaissance Bank is definitely worth checking out. This week on Say It Southern, we have one of my personal favorite Southern entrepreneurs. She wears many hats, designer, curator, stylist, mother and wife, and now she adds a business coach to that resume. You will love getting to know this well-known Charleston-based entrepreneur and hear her tips for you and your business. Join us now as we Say It Southern with Julianne Taylor. I am so honored to have you on Say It Southern, first of all, because I have followed you for a very long time. Um, You are such an inspiration in business, in fashion, in home, everything. Um, So I just feel like I want to hear your whole business journey, but I think we just need to start at the beginning because you you touched so many different people in so many different places and so many different things that I don't even know where to start with you, really, (laughs) except the beginning. Well, let's let's dial it on back then. Um, so you live in Charleston, but did you grow up in Charleston? No, I grew up in Columbia. So oh. like an hour and a half kind of northwest of Charleston. Um, neither my husband nor I are from Charleston. He's from a small town in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Um, but we met in graduate school. So what a lot of people don't know about me is that I'm an interior designer by trade. So I went to the University of Georgia. I grew up in Columbia in a house full of Gamecocks. My dad went to USC. He played football there only one year because, you know, he found girls and a fraternity. And so that was sort of the end of that. Um, My mom went to USC. My older sister went to USC. You know, growing up in Columbia, it's a college town. And I grew up where I was like, I don't want to do that. You know, I want to forge my own path. I want to be my own person. Um, I don't want to be Lauren's little sister anymore like I was in high school. I want to make my own way. And what a lot of people don't know is I grew up, I was sort of shy. You know, I was the funny one. You know, I was the friend to all the guys because I was the funny one, you know, and I had a lot of friends because I was sort of a, you know, a comedian, you know, and I got along with a lot of different types of people, but I was in reality kind of shy and uncomfortable around large groups of people and, um, sort of in a shadow of an older sister who was Miss Popular, Miss High School, all the things, had tons of boyfriends, and sort of that was her path. But I was sort of like the shy, you know, um, frumpy younger sister that was <laughs> like <funny>. a sidekick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I I sort of felt awkward growing up. I didn't know where my place would be, but I grew up in a house with a father who's an entrepreneur. Um, He's still alive. He's 81. And he had his own business for 35 years, um, like an employment agency, a personnel agency um, that he started from scratch. My mom was a stay-at-home mom until middle school. And she then decided she wanted to do something and went and got a real estate license. And 
that sweetie was killing it. I mean, she was like number one real estate agent in their office. Like my mom passed away 13 years ago, but both of my parents, I was, you know, it was sort of, you have these norms and unwritten rules in your house when you grow up. And it was, you know, you can be and do anything you want to. And I think that that really shaped me into, yeah, I can be and do anything I want to. So um, I did, I decided to go to the University of Georgia and my undergraduate degree is in interior design. I lived in Atlanta for a couple of years after that. And, but you know, who goes to college and then does what they got their degree in, right? Like, yeah. I mean, people in their thirties, forties, fifties, sixties are still like, well, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. Right. Yeah. And we're, yeah. we're all that way. And so I did that commercial interior design for a couple of years in Atlanta. And I was just kind of like, Hmm, is this all there is? Like, is this it? You know? <laughs> and so I decided to go back to school and get um, my master's in human resources through the um, MBA school at USC. And part of the reason I did that is because my mom encouraged me when I was sort of like, you know, a couple of years out of college where I'm like, I don't know, is this it? Like, is this what I'm supposed to do? And my mom was like, why don't you go to the career center at USC? And it was one of the pivotal points in my life because she was like, and take, you know, talk to them. And they had me take some testing and do some things that really pointed me in the right, in a different direction of options that I hadn't considered before. And that's the same advice that I give to some of my business coaching clients now that are sort of like, I'm not sure. I'm like, go utilize your local career center. Like these are trained people that can talk to you and give you options of things that you may never have considered before. So I did that. And one of the things that came out was human resources. And Lo and behold, starting salaries for HR professionals with their master's degree was more than double what I was making as an interior designer in Atlanta. And I was like, sign me up. I'm there. Like, sign me up, right? Um, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, that was probably 80% driven by the fact that I could make more than double what I was currently making. And you know, you have to remember this was back in the late nineties where, you know, jobs were kind of tough back then. I mean, it was, you know, getting out of college and you were kind of like, who wants to hire me? Right. And there was, the internet was a new thing, you know, back then you had like monster and that kind of stuff for jobs, but there were, there were not options like we have now to go out and just find readily available jobs. And so it was kind of like who you knew and, a friend of a friend and that, that kind of thing. So I decided to go to graduate school and that was also a pivotal point for me because that's where I met my husband and Chris had gone to Louisiana tech and he was a business undergrad and he wanted to get his master's degree in human resources. And USC was one of the best schools in the country for that. And so he moves all the way to Columbia to go to USC. And that's where we met. He was a year ahead of me. And when he, so when he graduated, he got a job with General Motors and worked for them for 17 years. And so I had another year and, you know, we only dated for one semester, but um, we sort of went our our separate ways. And then seven years later, you know, we kind of stayed, he would call me every year on my birthday and we would stay in touch. But seven years later, I get this random call from him and he's like, hey, 
I've been thinking about you and I'm like, oh yeah, have, have you? So it sort of rekindled this romance that we had in graduate school. And we, you know, decided we spent a weekend together and six months later got married. Oh wow! So he had moved to Detroit, worked there for a number of years and then went on international, his first international assignment to Seoul in South Korea. And he had been there for a couple of years And then we hooked up again and he said to me, when we decided to get married, he was like, I have an opportunity for another international assignment and it's in Melbourne. You know, how do you feel about that? And, you know, I was kind of like gulp, you know, (laughs) Um, but I mean, it sounded exciting and terrifying at the same time. So we got married on New Year's Eve and then got on a plane and flew to Tahiti for our honeymoon en route to relocating to Melbourne, Australia. Wow. And, you know, we lived there for a couple of years, then sort of got on this expat track with General Motors. We moved to Barcelona, Shanghai, Seoul. You know, we started this sort of decade-long expat trek around the world. We had all of our children. I have three kids that are now 11, 12, and 14. And, you know, started on this very exciting path. And the challenge for me was that because I'm the trailing spouse, you know, I didn't have a work visa. So I really struggled the first couple of years of our marriage. You know, I, at the time when we decided to get married, I was in Charlotte working for PepsiCo in the Frito-Lay division as an HR manager. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I spent my whole twenties after graduate school working in corporate HR and, you know, leadership development, training, all of those things, you know, then to be sort of pushed into this scenario where my name changed. I had to sell, I was living in Charlotte. I had to sell my house, sell my foreign made car, you know, change my name, dump into this new situation as Mrs. Taylor. And I'm like, my husband goes to work every day and I'm sitting around like, well, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. And there were sort of like two different paths you could go in. Um, there were local, uh, you could join the American Women's Club, which I did. But there were a lot of activities around what I call the liquid lunch. And you could very easily fall into that where, you know, these scenarios, there are really wonderful financial perks. In some countries, we had a driver, you know, you have full-time help. So you can very easily fall into a scenario of drinking yourself to glory all day long. And really, you know, the adults, it was like playtime. You know, you'd go out for lunch with the ladies, drink all afternoon, come home, then go out to dinner with your husband and all of the other friends while the nanny is at home putting the kids to bed. I mean, you know, I was say that doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> it doesn't sound too bad, but when you think of, you know, part of people ask like why why did you come home? Because honestly, we could still be living abroad if we wanted mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. We could still be live. I mean, our next assignment was like Czechoslovakia, I think, or Russia or something. That was sort of up on the docket after Seoul. And Chris and I were sort of like, when we envisioned like our dream life of like what we want to do and raise our children, having the nanny put our kids to bed every night was not really part of that. And right. while, yes, it's wonderful, a wonderful perk to have the laundry done every day, the house cleaned, the kids fed, all of that stuff. 
the reality is those are the moments that create memories as part of your family story. And as parents, we were missing out on that. So we decided to get off of that expat track. But while I was overseas, that was the spark for my first company, which is Taylor Burke Home. And we launched that in 2012. We were still, we were in Seoul, Korea at the time. And, you know, when I was over there, I sort of found my way living abroad that I would have a home-based interior design business. It was, you know, my first love is a love for design and I have a very creative brain. And I also had a captive audience of people that had disposable income. So if you think about like 08, 09, 010, when the bubble was bursting in the U.S., we were in China at the time and like, I mean, people didn't have enough money. I mean, people yeah. couldn't have any more money. Like it was like it just people were throwing money. The the female was typically the trailing spouse in the scenario. And she was like, I need, I'm living in a rental home. I can't paint the walls, but I want nice furniture. I want nice tabletop to entertain all these foreign ambassadors and people that are coming to my home. And so I had sort of a captive audience that needed my help. So I had a home-based interior design business and I started doing a lot of custom work for people in terms of custom furniture and hard, hard goods and things like that. And it was the catalyst to what is now Taylor Burke Home. And so my first sort of launch of that business was in 2012. I designed a whole collection of furniture and hard goods that were all made in Shanghai We loaded up a container, shipped it to the U.S., and styled a little booth in America's Mart in Atlanta for their their July International Home Furnishings and Gift Show. And that was the official launch for Taylor Burke Home. And what happened in that show, um, you know, we didn't make a million dollars, but we got noticed by some very key companies during that time. And one of them was One Kings Lane. They found us at that market and it just took off. And so I'll go back to Korea and my husband, I sat down and I was like, I think if we really want to make a go of this company, we need to move back to the U.S., and also thinking through from a personal standpoint, we're at a point where it's kind of like, we've been going almost 10 years. Like, mm-hmm. what, what, what do we want to do? And we decided to get off that fast track. Chris talked to GM and was like, we want to move back to the U.S. And they were like, great, we've, we've got a job for you in Detroit. And he's like, and oh, by the way, we want to move to South Carolina. <laughs> And we thought they were going to be like, okay, thanks, but no thanks. But they were like, that's okay. Move back. We'll move you back to South Carolina. We'll have you commute up to Detroit every week and you can fly home on the weekends. We did that for a couple of years. We made a little pit stop in Columbia um, to kind of find our feet and get settled and figure out what we were going to do next. We decided to move to Charleston and, um, and, you know, Taylor Burke Home took off. Now, at this time, was Taylor Burke Home, was it still just in Atlanta? Or did you, were you going to open up something there? Because right now it's still in Atlanta, correct? It's still in Atlanta. Then we decided to start showing in High Point. Uh-huh. So we started doing four shows a year. We would do two in Atlanta and two in High Point. So it was basically a show a quarter. 
Um, we built up a staff of people. We even for a period of time opened a permanent showroom in ADAC in Atlanta. Um, that failed miserably, but you know, it was a great learning lesson for us. You know, you try different things and see how things go, but you know, it's evolved over time. But the, the key thing that Taylor Burke Home sort of allowed for me and where I am now in my career is because I did all the product development for that company and, you know, I'm the creative director. So I set the colors, the patterns, all the things. And, you know, I'm someone who's very social. So we would go to market and I would go around to all the showrooms around me and I'm like, Hey, I'm Julianne. What, what, what's your name? What are you up to? What do you sell? Where are you from? You know, I made friends with everybody. And sometimes people were like, um, (laughs) why are you in here? What are you doing? You know, like sort of, because a lot of people, you know, it's a very catty kind of world. Right. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people were sort of like, stay out of here. Don't, you know, why, why are you coming to talk to me? And I just sort of was like, I'm not, I'm not abiding by those unwritten rules. People are people. And I made friends with everybody. Mm -hmm. And so what came out of that is other companies were like, Hmm, um, really like her design aesthetic. She's bold and colorful and, clearly knows what she's doing. All my showrooms, there was always a pattern mix, lots of color, you know, sort of stood out in the marketplace because my my showrooms always looked very different than a lot of other people's. And because I have a design background, that was a strength of mine, right? Not every business owner that starts a company that's in the home decor realm has a design background, right? Were this Was this your design at this point, like your wallpaper, your fabric and your creations or sort of leading into that. So up until 2015, what would happen is, so I would make friends with all these other heads and owners of other companies. They then started approaching me and they were like, you don't seem to be a diva. You seem to be somebody who's pretty easygoing and easy to work with. You're business savvy. You clearly know what you're doing when it comes to design. How would you feel about coming and working with us to create a collection and help us launch it in the marketplace. And remember, you know, back then, 2011, 2012, well, 2013, Instagram was just kind of getting some, some legs. And I got on Instagram early for Taylor Burke home and, you know, kind of knew what I was doing with that. And so that sort of led me into licensing, which is why I launched Julianne Taylor Style in 2015. And out of that came, and I was very strategic. And this is something that I that I coach my business, um, my business coaching clients on now is that when you, as your business evolves, I made a very strategic decision at that time to break away and have my own personal brand as a separate company with the thought that at some point down the road, who knows, didn't know at the time, but if somebody wanted to purchase Taylor Burke Home, all of my intellectual property around my design for other companies would not be part of that sale. Mm-hmm. And so I was very planful and purposeful around, I want these licensed products to be launched in the marketplace under Julianne Taylor style for that other brand. So that has led into, you know, I've got three collections of wallpaper, yes. artwork, tabletop, 
loungewear. I mean, it's, you know, I'm in talks now to do other things um, in the fashion fashion realm, which is really exciting. Um, but all of that is totally separate from Taylor Burkheim. Uh. So that business is now where all the growth opportunity is for us. And I'm always, you know, something I preach to my business coaching clients is, you know, you want to follow the dollar around things that you're passionate about. And you also want to cast a very wide net for multiple streams of revenue. And here comes along 2020 with a pandemic and because I have multiple streams of revenue, as one sort of dries up, I can pull the lever on another one and really focus my energies on that to continue to stay profitable and feed my family. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, right? Yep. You know, you yep. can be super passionate and really excited about what you do, but if you can't rub two pennies together to pay your bills, mm-hmm. what good, you know, I mean, it's a hobby, right? I mean, that's what Marcus Lemonis would say. If anybody, you know, any any listeners follow him, that's what he would say is like, if you can't make money doing what you're passionate about, it's a hobby. Mm-hmm. So I firmly believe that as well. And so that is when people ask me, they're just like, you have these two companies, but they seem to be connected, but yet they're not. Like, what is the, the deal? And now we're at the point where with Taylor Burke Home, there's been a lot of learnings. I have staffed up. I've staffed down. We have um, staffed up to invest early on to have systems created and put into place so that a lot of our processes are automated. So I don't need to pay somebody full-time on payroll to manage that process anymore. I paid somebody six years ago to do that so that it's all automated now. Mm-hmm. And that operation has sort of moved to Hickory, North Carolina, which is where it's all made. It all ships from there. Um, and I have somebody that manages a lot of the customer service there so that I don't have to have a team of people in Charleston anymore that manage that. I don't have anybody on payroll that manages that. I'm a big fan of 1099 and people. And, you know, when hurricane season rolls ar- along and you got slow as molasses Matthew that wants to come up the coast and you've got, you know, seven people full-time on payroll that you basically, they're off on vacation for a month. As a small business owner, that is not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to move into a direction that is a lot more, allows for a lot more flexibility for me. And then you get the pandemic that rolls around in 2020. Everybody's working from home. I even, you know, not only have I scaled down my staff over the last few years um, from full-time people to part-time and 1099 people that that I can outsource project-based things and that work for me and also for other people. But I also, you know, gave up my very expensive commercial office space in 2020. You know, pandemic rolls around. Nobody's working at the office anymore. We're all working from home. I even carved out a work from home space. So you sort of look at how you can work differently. We haven't missed a beat. Everybody that I work with, we all work from home now. So I got out of that lease. So, you know, really, I mean, we've got our our factory in North Carolina. I don't own the factory. They create product and sell that for other people. So I've sort of removed this entire layer of what's considered dead assets for me Mm -hmm. so that our business can be more profitable, allows for a lot more flexibility for me. So 
one of the things that I've done is, you know, I want to follow where the opportunities are. Taylor Brook Home just kind of runs. You know, I do think at some point I would love to entertain the idea of selling that business. Um, but I really get jazzed about the opportunities with Julianne Taylor style. And a lot of doors have opened with that. Um, in March of 2020, I downloaded TikTok, which I know a lot of listeners are probably going to chuckle at that because as you know, it started off, it was a lot of 40 something moms stuck at home yeah, doing dances and voiceovers. But I quickly realized how you could monetize that app. And, you know, it is a place that absolutely converts for us. I have gotten some amazing business coaching clients from that platform. We have grown very quickly to over 60,000 followers in just a few short months. Wait, 60,000 on TikTok? On TikTok, girl. So who's watching you on TikTok? I mean, I'm, I love some TikTok, but I don't, I don't watch it, you know, but I would feel like your clientele would not be <laughs> on TikTok. <laughs> Maybe they are. Apparently they are. amazed at who has found me on TikTok. And I go live every Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I answer business questions. You know, as a business coach, you know, I charge $225 an hour. And we stay fully booked. You know, mm-hmm. I only coach, I'm a big fan of time blocking. I only coach Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, and then Tuesday, Thursdays, I create content for brands. So to sort of back it up now, when people ask me what I do, my tagline is I'm a digital content creator, product designer, and business coach, like period. That's what go. I do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, just like a lot of people, I wear 17 different hats, but I use time blocking as a way to manage all of that every week. And some of my business coaching clients, they have stumbled into my lives on Monday and they're like, huh, this lady seems to really know what she's talking about and I need a business coach. So then we start working on a one-on-one basis and a lot of those clients have turned into some amazing clients that I now have on retainer. And we are doing things that five years ago, I would have never thought we'd be doing like managing their social media. I'm now working with customers, with businesses and creating in-house influencer programs for them where we are sourcing um, US-based influencers to help promote their product me being one of them. Mm-hmm. But because I, I have a lot of experience understanding influencer marketing rates, you know, one of my strengths is I am a dog on a bone negotiator. And it's one of the things that I teach tips and tricks on my TikTok about how to close that deal. And it's part of the reason, you know, one of my clients is a regular contributor. She's on retainer. She's a regular lifestyle contributor on the Today Show, Inside Edition. And she, I'm working with her to help her figure out how to monetize her business and negotiating her brand partnerships. And all of that is because she stumbled into one of my lives on TikTok. Well, I need to sign so up for TikTok. When, I'll see you Monday. <laughs> listen, when, and when people tell me, oh, that's just for, da-, I'm like, Listen, that platform absolutely converts. Right now, it is the number one platform for conversion for us. The number one. And it's the platform, you know, if you go to my Instagram and Pinterest, you're going to see a lot of my brand partnerships. You know, those are sort of my styled images. I do stories where I talk about my day. What am I doing? 
But TikTok is my down and dirty business tips. And I'm, you know, it's the only platform that we use for that. And that is where all the traction is right now. And not, let me listen, not everybody can afford $220. They don't have the budget right now to do a one-on-one $225 an hour coaching session. And that's okay. You know, I have a very soft spot for small business owners. I believe in paying it forward. I believe that my purpose here, it's not just about accumulating wealth and how much money I can make. I believe that, you know, my goal in life is to leave the world better than when I found it. And part of that is giving back when there's absolutely nothing in it for me. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean that I'm a doormat? And I, no, I I'm, I've, make no bones about it. I am with all, I'm not just somebody who's purely altruistic. You know, I am a savvy, I consider myself a savvy business person, but what I found is Every time I give without any expectation of return, it always comes back tenfold. Well, I was going to say that about you is I follow you and I have for a while and I noticed that and I feel like you are, I mean, now it's, it's all about promoting other women and promoting and, and, you know, doing this, but you were the first person that I actually saw doing it. And I could tell you were reaping rewards from it. You know, I mean, it was like, okay, this does make sense. And it's just like your book, beautiful book. And it's all about inspiring entrepreneurs, but it's all about other entrepreneurs and other business owners. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about that. Let's get into it. Yes. Um, I get a lot of questions from people that are like, what, why'd you write that book? Like, what's the point of what, what was your, you know, basis of writing that book? And as you know, being someone in the interior designer world, and a background in interior design. And there's a point in your career where people start asking you, so when are you coming out with a book? When are you going to write your book? And I was, you know, this is back in 2014, 2015. And I was like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to write a book. Like I was like, nobody wants to see a book about all these great rooms I've designed. I was like, nobody cares about that, you know? Mm-hmm. But then I started thinking about it and I'm like, I don't really, I'm not super passionate about writing a book about myself, but I can get real passionate about writing a book about uh, lots of other women. Mm -hmm. So I, it was really a passion project. I decided, I was like, you know what? One of the things that I saw in doing these showrooms and meeting other people is that there was a fear in my industry around people didn't want to, especially women, they didn't want to connect because, you know, when you've been burned and you've been hurt, you are real gun shy of that, right? And you're Mm -hmm. very protective. And so I get it. And listen, I've been burned too. I've had my fair share of being burned, but I decided I was like, let's do a project where we lift each other up. And so a lot of the women featured in my book, you could argue are competitors of mine. They absolutely are. They're, they're, They're in my lane doing the same thing I'm doing. And at first, you know, some of them were like, huh? You know, like, (laughs) what's the motive behind this? You you want to feature me in your book? Why would you want to do that? You know, but I created a video that I sent, I sent a video invitation to all of these women and was like, I would love to feature you. Here's why. And about 90, 90, 95% of them said yes. 
Mm-hmm. And a couple of them, the ones that said no, were people that were like, I'm actually in talks for my own book deal, and this would be in conflict with that. You know, these are like big mover, movers and shakers that were just like, I've got my own gig going on, and I can't, that's in conflict. And I was like, listen, no harm, no foul, you know? Mm-hmm. Um but the store, and what I wanted to do is I didn't want to do a book that was like, what's your favorite color? Like, ain't nobody care about that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I want to know the dirt, down and dirty, nitty gritty information that would empower somebody else. So how did you stumble? What did you learn? You know, what was a pivotal point for you? And so, you know, the book, from my perspective, it is a beautiful book. I wanted mm-hmm. to create something that is not only an inspiring read, but when you're done with it, is also a beautiful coffee table book that's beautiful on your shelf and would be knowledge that transcends time, right? You know, not like an interior design book from the 90s that was great in the 90s, but like it's all dated and out of style right now. Mm-hmm. I wanted knowledge that transcends the generations. And so every woman featured in this book is someone that started from the dining room table, started from nothing and built an incredible company. And the knowledge that's in there is so beneficial to anyone who's thinking of starting a business, has a business. It's for anyone who's an entrepreneur or is a lover of design. A lot of people have bought the book that's like, that are like, you know, I'm not, I don't have my own business, but I love design and I'm fascinated about the backstories of all of these women that own companies that I buy from. Yes, yes. And it's neat to see who inspires you because you are such a creative and you are such a, you know, you yourself is your you're your own thing. So so to see these women who are like you said in your lane that also inspire you is really really cool. Mm-hmm. And I also love just hearing how you met them or where you met them, you know. It's like, oh, that's so fun. They just met yeah, and you know, met them for coffee or, you know, whatever. The interesting thing about it is, you know, I'll have people that are like, oh, your images are so beautiful. And I'm like, the details around that book is I didn't take all those images. I took all of my images as part of my story. But the way we wrote, this was a six month project. This was not a two year project that took for, we sent out an interview questionnaire to all of these women. They sent back the guts of the, their, their story and all of their images. We then, I took the guts of their story and wrote the book from my perspective. And I was able to infuse into their story how I met them, you know, or my my own take on when we first met, which brings this personal element to their story, but the guts of their story is from their perspective. Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's great. Where can people buy this book? It's available on Amazon. I think we need to restock. I think it's sold out right now. We need to Mm -hmm. restock Amazon, but it's, it's the most expensive on Amazon. You can buy, and it's not signed. So I always tell people, send a note to our office, you know, info at juliannetaylorstyle.com. And that way you can get a signed copy. I got my fun copy. (laughs) Yes. And right now we're, I mean, I think on Amazon, they're $59. I can't remember, but you can buy them from my office. They're on sale for 35 and I'll even sign it for you. So over the holidays, we had a lot of people that bought like five or 10 of them and they would give them out as gifts. Mm -hmm. They make a really great gift to your female friends. They make a great graduation gift. 
So it's, I love it when people around the country are like, I'm buying this for my supper club gals, or I'm buying this for my book club gals. You know, I just love that. I get tickled to death when they tag me in their stories and them opening it. It's just the cutest thing. Mm -hmm. I, I really, it delights me. So what is your favorite? What do you get the most delight out of all these businesses that you do? Is it the business coaching? Is it the book? Is it your style that you do on Instagram? So the things that I get super jazzed about are, you know, I love working with brands to promote their products. I mean, I, I really get excited about creating beautiful images and video content for brands. And right now, our lane is video content. We're good at it. We know how to do it. We're, we're venturing into more like commercial styled videography where it, you know, all shot on the iPhone, but it looks like a professional videography shoot that's Mm -hmm. more commercialized. We're getting into doing more of that for brands. Um, And it's our jam, you know, so a lot of brands, listen, I don't have a bazillion followers on Instagram, but what we are able to do is create beautiful content. And I'm a real person, you know, I'm size 12. I'm in my forties you know, I'm not a perfect model. And so I think brands connect with that because they're like, she's a real live average human, you know, female that speaks to a target audience that sort of, you know, I'm not a perfect size zero. Mm-hmm. Um, You're relatable. So mm-hmm. I'm relatable. And I think that now, listen, I, I get that when you see the full juju action going on, I, I get that it's a whole look, it's a whole scene. Um, you know, not everybody's going to wear a sequin turban every day. And I get it. I I get it's a whole situation, (laughs) but underneath that, who I am at the core and my heart, I think people see, and I'm just an average mom who's married with three children, just trying to make it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I think right now, what I get really excited about is creating content for brands. And a lot of the content we create as well is not necessarily promoted on my social channels. You know, we're doing a lot that's sort of video content that they will use in their own way on with like paid ads and things like that, that you'll never see on my Instagram. So that's kind of exciting, you know, where they're really looking at us as more of like a production house, which is is, is exciting. Uh-huh. And The other thing that I really get excited about is business coaching. I love nothing more than to be the pocket cheerleader, cheerleader, the wind beneath somebody's wings and to watch them soar. Mm -hmm. I really do. And I I view as, as my role, you know, if you're still paying me five years from now, we're meeting everywhere, then I'm not doing my job. Like I, we need to meet for a season to get you where you need to go. And then I want little birdie to fly. Now we have a lot of little birdies that fly and then they come back to me a year later because their business has evolved. They've grown and they're like, okay, I'm at the next level and we need to talk about that and strategize. No, we'll, we'll do that. But I'm not somebody that's like, you need to meet with me every week for five years. Like I'm not, I'm not any good at what I do if that's the case. <laughs> right. Right. Honestly, Where do people right? sign up for that? I mean, is just through your website? It's through my website there. If you go to services on my website, there's a coaching um, section there um, where you can learn more about me and what I'm into. You can see some testimonials of a, you know, a few other clients that we've worked with. Um, Some clients don't want you to know that we've worked together. And Mm -hmm. so you won't ever see their testimonials on there. Um, And that's okay. You know, we're very, 
discreet about some of the clients that we coach. We even coach other coaches, which mm-hmm. is interesting, you know, like life coaches and people, you know, not business coaches, but life coaches, other people that are coaches, but have a different type of target audience. We coach those types of people. Wow. What's the biggest piece of advice you would give in your coaching that you seem to give out the most over and over and over again, the same piece of advice? Um, so we, one of them is something we talked about earlier, which is follow the dollar of things that you're passionate about in the sense that, you know, just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should, you know, a hobby that's a passion, you know, at the end of the day, if you're going to turn that into a business, you have to be able to make sure you can make money doing it. And I have watched Many a creative have a wonderful idea that burns the business to the ground because they could not rub two pennies together. And so my goal is, you know, I'm sort of in a unique scenario because I have the creative side and I have the business side. And a lot of creatives, you know, I talk about this with my business colleagues, when you're in art school and you're in a creative, you're not taught business classes in college. Nobody teaches you how to run a P&L and how to back end it and look at cost to make sure you can, what you're pricing, you actually make money doing it. And so a lot of the business, the entrepreneurs that I coach, um, I, I give them homework and I'm like, let's, I'm going to have you work, fill out the spreadsheet. Do you know if you're even, you know, let's figure out, are you even making money right now? Or are you losing money for every widget that you're selling? Mm-hmm. And so when they have to go away and do the homework and come back and, and they're like, um, I'm actually losing money, you know, but it, it helps us, it forces them to really think strategically about their businesses and get refocused on, I'm not charging enough, or I need to get a different supplier because my costs are too high. So I think that that piece of advice around a great idea just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. And also the other piece of advice that I give to all, all of my, my clients is have multiple streams of revenue. Make sure, because we don't know what's going to happen in the world. And 2020 is a great educator for a lot of business owners. Cast a wide net for different types of revenue streams so that you're not caught with your pants down the next time some worldly event rolls around and your business is in shambles. So those are sort of two pieces of advice that I I talk about with every client that I have. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all this information with us. But before you go, we do a popcorn round where it's just some fun, quick questions. This is the first thing off the top of your mind when I ask you whatever it may be. Are you in okay? Okay. I'm ready. What is the best thing about living in Charleston? The lifestyle. Mm, I'm so jealous. It's easy going. <laughs> you know, you're at the beach. It's easy going. The food is great. Uh-huh. The life, the, the pace of life, it's a little bit slower there and I love it. But you traveled all over the world. So if you could move anywhere outside of the United States, where would you move? Move back to or somewhere new? Well, my favorite place to live was Australia and for the pace of life. You know, you don't stand out. You look like everybody else. You can blend in easily. And it really is the land of no worries. Mm -hmm. It really is. It is like, you know, 
you, you, people are just very easygoing and low key. And I love the pace of life there. So probably Australia. All right. What is a staple or a must have that you carry in your purse every day? Um, well, outside of the mask that's now mm-hmm. in the purse every day, mm-hmm. um, I always have my lip gloss in there. Mm-hmm. What's your lip gloss go to? Juju does not like to have dry lips. <laughs> no, no. And Do you so, have a favorite? Well, I wear like three different colors. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a blender. I am so too. I wear like three different colors and I, you know, it's always uh, tough because I'll get questions on my stories like, what lipstick color is that? And I'm like, it's not one, it's like three. And they're <laughs> usually some dime store, you know, gloss that I've picked up that's like, hey, this looks like a great color. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then the, you it's worn in the bag. So like the, the, the name of it has worn off. Like I'm terrible. And I do the like to know it with the swipe ups, but I'm terrible at it. And really for my brand partnerships, there are a lot of influencers out there that make a very good living doing the swipe ups. And mm-hmm. I try to do it. But honestly, with my brand partnerships, I'd rather g- create the content for the brand and get paid up front I don't, I don't want to try to get commission on the back end. That's not ideal for me. Yeah. I know you like to travel and we all enjoy a fun road trip. So when you're on a road trip, what's your go-to road trip snack? I love pork rinds <laughs> and I like the hot and spicy ones um, and I love to crunch them. And it drives my husband crazy <laughs> because it's like, you know, when you crunch down on that pork rind, uh-huh, uh-huh. it's really loud, but man, I love a good co- icy Coke Zero and hot and spicy pork rinds. I think it's like the flaming Hot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Well, if you're crunching, you got to turn the music up. So what are you listening to? Um, we listen a lot to The Message, mm-hmm. um, which is contemporary Christian. It's my jam. And if we're not listening to that, we love 80s. 80s, yes. And honestly, like, I don't want to, you know, I'm not like a prude or anything. I mean, listen, I grew up with like Biggie Smalls and 90s rap and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And I, I love a good, you know, Biggie, Biggie, Biggie. I love all that. But nowadays, I mean, they will talk about anything. Oh, yeah. The um, WAP and all wop. that stuff. And I'm like, I mean, I don't consider myself a prude, but I'm like, lousy. Well, that's how I always, I'm like, am I really getting that old that this bothers me? <laughs> and, me. You know, it's stuff that I'm like, I don't want my kids listening to that. It's nasty. <laughs> yeah. It's vulgar. You know, just a lot of vulgarity and stuff. And I, you know, so a lot of that current music, like when you listen to it, you're just like, that's what we're, that's, you know, that's what we're listening to right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I love some good 80s and um, some old school rap mm-hmm. and the message. Yeah. It's a good blend. You got a good blend there. <laughs> yeah. All right. You have your last meal. So what Southern dish are you going to request? Oh, hands down some fried chicken. Oh, yes. Hands down some fried chicken, some Callie's biscuits. Mm-hmm. Um, Carrie Mori is a friend of mine. And I mean, she hands down makes the best biscuits in town. Mm-hmm. We had her on and, our podcast. Um, she's been on your podcast? Yes, yes. We have baked together several times and my daughter and I will make her recipe. But hands down, Callie's biscuits with strawberry jam mm. and some rice and um, fried chicken gravy and some collard greens with bacon in them. 
Ooh, that sounds good. I love some. And like fat back. Mm-hmm. People the right that are way. not from the South are like fat back. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Like you have not lived until you've had collard greens cooked with fat back. That's right. That's right. All right. You give out a lot of advice. This is the last question, but what's the best piece of advice that you have received? The best piece of advice that I have received is, and I, I, I now in turn talk about this. That I, have a, I even have a TikTok that I made about it. There is always going to be the enemy who's after you that has a negative tape recorder in your ear telling you, you're never going to succeed. You can't do it. You're a failure. You're terrible. Who do you think you are? And I always have to remember that those thoughts do not necessarily have to be my actions. Mm. Whatever's going on in my head, I can choose a different action. So those thoughts are not facts. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, thank you again so much for coming on. This has been so fun. I love talking with you and getting to know you better. Well, I'm so glad to spend this time with you. Well, we will. We'll just talk soon. We'll stay in touch for sure. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Bye. Bye. Rise with Renaissance is a women's empowerment initiative that our partner, Renaissance Bank, developed to make a difference for women. Rise's mission is to support female leaders, achievers, innovators, and lady bosses just like Julianne. Renaissance is here to support women striving for success. So if someone says you can't, prove them wrong. Visit your local Renaissance location or risewithrenaissance.com to learn more. Are you bummed? I'm so bummed. <laughs> I knew you would be. I'm so bummed. And not to rub it in your face, the fact that you didn't get to like meet her in person, mm-hmm. but or in person, I say that. It feels like we're in person. Sure. Um, but she was Everything. amazing. And Courtney, you would have loved her. I know. We talked for an hour and a half after we finished recording. I know. COVID is real, y'all. <laughs> I'm, I'm still having some lingering stuff. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I just... I couldn't do it that day. I could not do it. I was in the bed. I was like, Sarah, you got you to gotta take this one by the horns. And I was so sad because she sent us her fabulous book, Design oh, Her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I know y'all talked about it a little bit on the podcast. But you guys, she has a beautiful black and white striped design book with beautiful script on it and the images inside. Yeah. Well, what I love about the book and what I love about her is that it's all about other women. That's what's amazing. I feel like when I think of her, I think of, in my mind, she's kind of the first woman in business or in the influence world that was really supporting other women. And now, I feel like now it's kind of a thing, like women supporting women or collaborating, collaborating together. But I mean, even five years ago, like you really didn't hear about that or see that. And she talks about that, about the fact that she would go to market and walk up to other designers or, you know, people showing a piece of furniture or maybe a fabric. And they were even kind of like, wait, why are you in here? Yeah. Why are you loving all my stuff? Aren't you the competition? And she didn't, she doesn't see it like that yeah. and didn't then. And so I feel like she has changed a lot of people's mindset on that. So that's that, amazing. I yeah. mean, it just... You've followed her for a long time. You've mm-hmm. been a big fan yes. of hers from the beginning. What drew what drew you to her? Because she's so unique. 
Okay. And she has her own style. For sure. I mean, and I mean, it's colorful. Yeah. Insane. I mean, it's like, I, maybe it's because I like want to be her. Okay. Secretly, deep down, I want to be able to wear a turban uh-huh. and like pull it off. Yeah. And she does it and does it well. 100%. And she's just killing it. Yeah. I mean, she's all over the place. She's taken um, a business that she started. She's still got that going, but yet she's she's got her hands in everything. Yeah. So it's like, she's not going anywhere. Don't you think that's influenced too from like her living in... All, like all different places all over the world. Yeah. I mean, and seeing the way that other cultures survive and thrive and it just, it takes you, sometimes I'm just like, oh, why didn't I move to New York or why didn't I, you know, like mm-hmm. take me out of the box for a minute. Yeah. So I can see, you mm-hmm. know, I feel like we talk to a lot of women who have the big idea and then they have that whatever thing it takes to put it into motion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like. I used to draw little sketches on stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why, why can't I have made that a thing? Yeah. Why was I too scared? You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, she talked a lot about when she lived overseas in Hong Kong and she had, um, you know, all this help. And to give that up, I mean, I was like, I kind of don't feel sorry for you, Joanne. Right. Yeah. Like, Got to be blah, honest. Blah, blah. But at the same time, I, I get what she was saying. Like, that's not, that's not a way to live. And, like, when you do have children, you want to be the one taking care of them. Mm-hmm. But to give all that up and to give that lifestyle up and move back to the States, I mean, that that was a jump, too. For sure. So, I mean, good for her. I, I just, I don't know. I, I've, I've loved her for a long time. I just think she's got great, like I said, style. But I love her business ethic. And it's almost like, like, I'm, like I'm repeating myself, but just that beginning of that women supporting women, collaborate together movement. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not going to feel that sorry for her. She does live in Charleston. Uh, yeah. Which is my favorite Well, that's what city. we need to do. We need to go to Charleston so you can meet her. Totally. Okay, Julianne, we're, we're coming. We're coming. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and something else, too, that I thought was interesting about her, because she's, you know, I mean, she's like our age, and she's on TikTok. And not just on TikTok, but like killing it on TikTok. But, and like, I don't know why I just think it's so funny because I mean, 2020, like it's the year of TikTok for sure. And every, you know, moms were getting on, doing Are all you the on? dances. No, I'm not on. Me either. No, 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 no. But after talking to her, I'm like, well, maybe we need a TikTok account. <laughs> but that's how she's getting her business now. Yeah. And it, to me, TikTok is still like for the teens. Mm-hmm. But clearly, that's going to change. If all these moms are getting know. on it, like kids are going to be off. It's going to be what happened to Facebook. You know, it used to be, you know, it was all the teens. That's how they were communicating until their parents got on right. and started talking. Then everybody got off. But I feel like maybe this is the end of TikTok now that the mamas are getting on. Well, you know, even my sister, who's 28, she she did a TikTok for her art business. Her art has blown up. Really? Because people want to see. I mean, it's not like she's like dancing all over her canvases. Yeah. <laughs> She's like painting to music and it's like going fast. I mean, remember that one that you were like, I'm obsessed with that one that she had from up above. Yeah. And I was, I was like, she needs to do more of those because I watched her paint a painting. I spent like five minutes of my life, like watching her paint. I know. But now TikTok is for recipes. It's for business. It's for, you know, people playing pranks on their family. Oh, I got Graham and Dean last night. So my brother, my brother, um, pranked my sister-in-law Cheyenne she had been gone on a girl's night they went to the graduate all this was her birthday and she came in and she said and Dan said oh check the toilet when you left it was smoking basically you stick two toilet paper rolls on top and then a paper towel roll out of the mouth of the bottom and it looks like the toilet bowl is smoking so Cheyenne was like what a smoking toilet and walked in there 
And it was and it's like yeah. till it uh-huh. with a cigarette in its mouth smoking. Yes. Okay. And so last night I did the same thing to the boys and it was hilarious. Thank Graham God. had already seen it and he was like, Mom. But then Dean walked in and he was like, Oh my gosh, Mom. <laughs> So TikTok ain't only for the dancers. So this is like a viral thing on TikTok or something? Yes, I'll post it on her story so okay. everybody can see it. Okay. And I'm going to do it to my girls tonight. You've got to do it. <laughs> but, I mean, that's how what makes us ancient is because we're like the old dogs being like, have you seen the joke on, t- <laughs> you on the TikTok? The toilet smoking. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we're doing anything. We're, there's no entertainment for our kids right no. now, so we're doing all that we can do. No, 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 no. But back to TikTok, I mean, yeah, she is so innovative and she's so about how to build a brand, how to build your empire, and she just knows the right vehicles to use to get there. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. what's so inspiring, too. Well, I love, too, watching her tabletops and stuff. Like, I want to have a party. I want to go to a dinner party with her. Well, Taylor Burke going out. Let's forget going out. Let's forget going out in Charleston. Let's just go to her house. Mm. And maybe go out? I'll give you a I'll do a dinner party with her. No, for sure. No, we'll do a dinner party. Night in, night out. I'm not trying to stay for a weekend, though. I'm, (laughs) I'm saying, like, four or five days. Okay, okay. Eat, enjoy, tour, go to the beach one day. I mean, Uh, get it all in. Okay. Well, you know Charleston, so we'll do it. That's right. All right. Last thing I want to say about TikTok. I just, I know I keep like bringing it back up, but if we get on TikTok, okay, we do this, we have to promise each other that we will not start doing the TikTok dancing and all the craziness because Taylor May, she has a TikTok, but she's like the break dancing look like. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's. She's supposed to ask me, you know, she's like, she's got TikTok, but she, I have to see it, you know, all yeah. that mess. But <laughs> she literally rides in the car next to me. And if people are driving by, I mean, they may think she's having a seizure because uh-huh. that's what she's doing is like jerky TikTok dance moves. Wait, like Stella just, does it too, does Stella she? does it. They all do it. And I'm like, you guys look crazy. <laughs> like that's, it's no way to dance. Well, okay. I, I, it's Let me a, show you the Roger Rabbit. MC yeah. No, that's how you dance. Okay. Well, it's a generational gap. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. 100%. Okay. Well, I've got to tell you this, and it's kind of, huh, but I'll tell you. Um, so, we were watching the press briefing after the White House, you know, it was broken into, and there were people going in, and, and so we were watching the press secretary, and we were all four in there, Graham and Dean and me and Jason, and, you know, she was talking about how the... Senate had to get down, and they were yeah. not disrupting congressional order and the democracy of it. And um, and our boys are laughing, like they're just like laughing. Mm-hmm. And so Jason turns around, he's like, "What? What is going on?" And Dean says, "Look at her, mom. She's TikToking." And it was the woman next to them doing sign, sign language. language. Oh my word, that is hysterical. They like she was TikToking, and Jason was like, "No, that's ASL. It's sign language." But like, it would have never occurred to us never. that it was TikToking. No, uh-uh. they couldn't believe. You know how people get oh. in the background of like sports videos, yes. and they're like, "Go Vols!" They're, they're, they're sitting like, there. Your boys are like, "This is going viral." Yes, this is hysterical. They're like, she, "Look at her. She's oh. like TikToking in the this background." Is TikTok star. Capital today. We're dying. Mortifying. <laughs> oh well. On that note. Uh, on that note. Maybe we. Maybe we don't have a place on TikTok yet. Right. We need to stay off. Well, that was fun. I enjoyed talking with her, and like we were talking, we are going to Charleston. We're gonna hang out with Julianne for sure. Okay. Thanks for staying with us. Talk to you next week. Bye.